The Legendarium Podcast is brought to you by, by you. So please visit patreon.com slash legendarium to, to support the show. But for now, welcome to, to the, the Legendarium. Legendarium. So Dane's... <laughs> So Dane's grandfather was the brother of Thorin's grandfather. Oh, this is fascinating stuff. All right, fine. We'll move on. No, keep going. I'm just, <laughs> no, giving you, I'm just giving you a hard time because you brought up Appendix B. I only kept going because you did that. So. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Legendarium Podcast. I am Craig. I'm your host. And with me, as maybe never, I don't know if this is a combo we've ever had, is Kyle. Mm-hmm. Say hello. Hello. I just want them to be able to distinguish between you and Stephanie. Hello. Hi, Stephanie. Uh, so I, have you guys ever done an episode together that wasn't like a giant? No, I think we were on oh. the Avengers. Yeah, exactly. Marvel. Yeah, like everybody was on Endgame. Yeah. Okay. But this, yeah, this, this is, is the a... first episode I have ever done without Ryan. Oh, there you oh, go. Oh, yeah. You we know, don't need him. Yeah. Yeah, what's he doing? No Being a cares. dad? Or yeah, something? he's like babysitting or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so Ryan is uh, is doing, you know, dadly stuff. And so if anybody, if I hear anybody complaining that Ryan wasn't <laughs> on this episode, then as uh, you can deal with my five year old, he's being responsible. Exactly. Yeah, I, I just don't want to hear it. So, um, okay. So anything else to go over before we dive into The Hobbit? This is our, hopefully, maybe our final Hobbit episode, depending on how much we can get through. I've got a ton of notes. <laughs> you guys were saying that y- you don't, uh, that nope. there wasn't much to say on this one. I think you're crazy. That's fine. Um, it, I, so I've got a lot of notes. We're going through chapters 15 through 19. If you, uh, housekeeping stuff, if you want to support the Legendarium, Go to patreon.com slash legendarium to support the show. Join the conversation on Reddit, thelegendarium.reddit.com. Find us on Discord. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. We're everywhere. So you can find us. Please go do so. Uh, I have foregone the insults and the recaps (laughs) and whatnot. It's The Hobbit. People know this story. And if they don't, well, we'll kind well, of recap. We as had we go. a question: What happened in these in these chapters? So <laughs> clearly, they don't. If you haven't read The Hobbit, you know, just go away and read The Hobbit, and then come back and re-download the episode. <laughs> you know, do us that favor, and then listen to it. All right. So, all right. So, chapters fifteen through nineteen. I guess uh, briefly, where we last left the story was Smaug had been uh, shot down. By Bard the Bowman. Arrowed. He was arrowed. Are we still on Strong Bed? Yes. Okay. We are. Sorry. I don't know if you knew that. We brought up Strong Bed on the last episode. I did not. I should probably listen to our episodes every once in a while, maybe. That's true. The (laughs) second most defining dragon of our age has to be uh, Trogdor. Trogdor. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely right. Smaug was definitely arrowed. Yeah, so Smaug was arrowed by Bard, and here we are, uh, and and now the dwarves and Bilbo are kind of holed up in the mountain, uh, and everybody's converging on them. The elves want some of that gold, the men want some of that gold, everybody wants some of that gold. Yeah. Um, and that's basically what chapter 15 is about. Uh, so you guys were saying before we started this that you were confused that I like these chapters so much. <laughs> I mean, there's some nice things in there, but it feel like to Stephanie's point, it's kind of anticlimactic. It feels like it. To St- Stephanie's point, before we before turn we, the cameras yeah, on, that was my turn. point I made when I walked in. This <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> she's like, I forgot how like, she storms in and goes, was. "Well, that was anticlimactic." <laughs> Thanks for making me listen to that again. Ah. Did you guys both listen to an audiobook version of this? No, I read it. Okay. No, I listened to it. Oh, yeah. All right. I plowed through it on like double speed this today. Oh so. wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're cramming. This is, you're not supposed to admit that to the teacher. Oh, well, I'd already are read it. Are you the it. teacher? Well, I'm missing my elbow patches I was say, today. are you the teacher? I feel like that's, Todd's the teacher. Well, that's true, but. I, I have read it. I have listened to it. So this is at least my third time through the book. I'd say I play the Lego game. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Which is really, I mean, that's study <laughs> it, it's enough. It's really like, what else do you need when you have the Lego game? So I'm, exactly. I'm all caught up. I know so, exactly what. So you guys were, on. you were underwhelmed by this, and I'm a little just bit confused. So not underwhelmed, okay. but not yeah. overwhelmed. Like fair just, enough. Just whelmed. Is it because the battle was kind of um, short and 
to well not even to the point because it kind of skips over the point and then tells you what right. the point was well, later in yeah, the next chapter at least for me and i don't want to speak for anybody else but it is it's kind of like oh this is getting good some armies are getting out here we're gonna see some action and then bilbo gets knocked on the head and it's like oh psych <laughs> like oh okay and then you know you get your narrator that comes in and kind of fills in the blanks um yeah yeah it's i think tolkien was different than uh than authors today in that when he wrote about battles and war he was a lot more interested in what the lead up and the consequences of those battles were and so when you read somebody like brent weeks or you read <laughs> sanderson or whatever you know, heads are getting chopped off and uh you know there's a guy over there with his guts on the ground and uh, you know everything is going horribly wrong you know and death and destruction all around you and you kind of sit in that and you marinate in that and we're used to that for a battle scene same with movies right we really zoom in on the action and for tolkien i think in the lord of the rings to a lesser degree than the hobbit but still mm -hmm. you know still to you know it's a difference in degree and not kind he he kind of skips over some of the battles or he takes a really kind of thirty thousand foot view of them so that we can uh, just get to what he thought was the important stuff, which was so. So, what did this do to our heroes emotionally, psychologically, sure. as a group? You know that sort of thing. Well, how often do you come across your main character? We have Bilbo, who we've been following this entire time, and then all of a sudden he gets knocked out. It a crucial part of the story because it's kind of. I mean, you have five armies converging on one another. This should be a pretty epic battle that you're about to watch, and then all of a sudden the eagles come in. Bilbo gets knocked out and the epicness is just knocked out from under you. You completely miss it. And that was where I was kind of like, I'm so glad you brought up the Eagles. So oh. we're going to get there. We're going to get to the Eagles. That's a point we have to talk about at some, at some point here, but let's kind of back up and talk about chapter 15, the gathering of the clouds. Um, we've got some pretty great stuff in this chapter, including I forgot that there were giant ravens. Yeah. Do you remember their names? This is one of my Ro favorite things. Ro Roak or something like that. Roak and yeah. Kark. Yeah, sure. Which I think are great <laughs> because they're the names of ravens. You know, you listen to a raven. It's a, uh, yeah. I, what's his name? The guy that wrote this um, uh, annotated version, Douglas Anderson, calls them delightfully onomatopoeic. <laughs> you know, yeah. what's, what's the raven's name? Roak. Yeah. You know, that's pretty great. Mm -hmm. I like yeah. that. So anyway, yeah, we have them. Uh, Thorin kind of sends them off to the Iron Hills to find Dane. He says, find my cousin Dane. Tell him we're in trouble and send help quickly. Um, and so, by the way, if you go to Appendix B in The Lord of the Rings, you can figure out just how closely related these two are. Okay? So Dane's, <laughs> so Dane's grandfather was the brother of Thorin's grandfather, Oh, this is fascinating stuff. All right, fine. We'll move on. No, from keep that. going. I'm just, no, giving you hard, I'm just giving you a hard time because you brought up Appendix B. I only kept going because you did that. So, uh, But I did want to talk about one thing. Uh, can we talk about the songs again? Uh, yeah. we, we talk about this with The Lord of the Rings a lot, maybe a little bit less so with The Hobbit. Uh, how are you guys feeling about the songs these days? Because I really liked the ones in this chapter. In this or, chapter? In these chapters. Okay. I was going to say, I actually really like the, the Road Goes Ever On. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, I actually dug into that a little bit more. That's what most of my notes are about because I really dig that. And I like that Tolkien uses there's songs in here, but it's kind of poetry. And he uses that to actually lead you into Lord of the Rings. And this poem or this song starts in the Hobbit, goes through Lord of the Rings and you see it come back up several times all the way through the story. So, and maybe we'll talk about that more when we get into our Lord of the Rings series, but Bilbo starts it and then he basically is talking about his adventure and when you get into the fellowship of the ring it's the same thing he feels an itch to go out back on adventure and he repeats the same the same poem same song with a slight variation in mm -hmm. verse and then when frodo's out there he starts humming it to himself yeah. and repeats it with a slight variation to represent his experience and then by the very very end as they sail off into the west it kind of closes we'll get one out one last version and it's a really cool uh through line uh, connection that I really enjoy. I'm a kind of a poetry buff, so I, are you, I really are, liked it. Are you a poetry buff? Sure. All right. Oh, that's good. I've just never heard you describe yourself that way, but I'm, I knew I'm you not, appreciate it more than I do. I'm not buff <laughs> or in the buff yet, well, but I like poetry. 
<laughs> so what about you, Stephanie? I'm going to agree with our um, people following us on Discord. I actually literally fell asleep. In um, Ryan was driving us home today, and I'm listening to it in the car, and I dozed off. During a song? During one of the songs. Do they, like, on the audiobook, does uh, he recite it, or no, does he, he sing it? he sings them. Oh, that's too bad. I have to, maybe if I went back and I reread them, and I could actually look at the words, mm -hmm. I might be more interested in them, because listening to whoever reads the audiobook sing these, I'm like, oh my gosh, is it over yet? <laughs> I can't I, listen to this well, really, So, the one in chapter 15, uh, we're waiting kind of on the edge of our seats to see if there's going to be a battle. All these people are gathering. The men of Dale are coming. The Elven King is there. And uh, and Thorin is in a pretty black mood, right? So he is not really jazzed about what's going on. And, and he feels like these people are here to steal my treasure. This is my family's gold. You know, we've come back and reclaimed what's ours. Um, and uh, so he's kind of hot under the collar, right? And so the dwarves pull out their instruments and they're like, okay, we're going we're gonna to cheer you up. We're going to sing a song and that'll, that'll help soften your mood, right? Well, then what do they sing? All right. There's like eight or 10 verses, but I'm just going to do two of them. Under the mountain, dark and tall, the king has come unto his hall. His foe is dead, the worm of dread, and ever so his foes shall fall. The sword is sharp, the spear is long, the arrow swift, the gate is strong, the heart is bold that looks on gold, the dwarves no more shall suffer wrong. And so you pay attention to that and you think to yourself, well, what, what are you doing? What are you doing to this guy? You're trying to calm him down and instead, instead you're, you're giving him this song that's supposed to pump him up. Oh, <laughs> this is a battle cry. Like, hang in there. You can take these guys. You know, anyway, it's just one of those kind of humorous that's, little things. That's actually kind of how I felt about a lot of the a lot of the communication in these chapters, because you get, you know, the men and the elves come to the doors of Erebor mm -hmm. and they're talking to Thorin and and Bard starts talking to him and he starts talking to him like you think that he's trying to negotiate with him or parlay with him. Mm -hmm. And he's and he's speaking to him very negatively. Bard is? Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, I'll have to pull it up, but he's like, um, are you not, is this not something you would do? Is like, instead of negotiating with him in a positive manner, he's basically spinning a negative light on it the whole time with the way that he communicates. And it's like, of course, Thorin's going to be like, get out of here. It's my treasure. Cause you're a terrible communicator. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Uh, so think about it from Bard's point of view. These dwarves come through your town. And they, they stir everything up with this talk of going to the mountain, and reclaiming what's ours and all of that. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, that'd be sweet if we had finally some commerce with the mountain again. If we could go back to Dale, uh, we miss our we miss our little town and all that. Uh, and so the dwarves go off and you're like, oh, well, best of luck. Yeah, they'll probably you, what, what is it? The guy says in uh, yeah, best of luck, Wesley, you know, you know I'll probably I'll kill you in the morning. Right. They'll probably <laughs> right. be dead by morning, but whatever. Have a good day. Uh, and then next thing you know, the dragon is coming down. They've woken up the dragon. He comes and ruins your whole town, kills a bunch <laughs> of people. You know, the whole thing is in smoldering ruins and you're left destitute, not just as a person, but as a city, uh, as a community, you have nothing left. And so you go and then this guy is like, Oh, th thanks for shooting that dragon down. I'll, I'll just be <laughs> hanging out here with my gold now. Yep. I'd be pissed too. So I'm, I'm kind of with Bard on this one. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. He definitely has a claim to it, and so yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you what you guys thought of their case here, because uh, what do they want? What do they ask for? They ask for one fourteenth of the treasure, because Bard is the one who shot Smog down. I think that's pretty reasonable. Yeah, which is also the same amount that the company has promised Bilbo, right, and each other. I guess. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And remind me, is that? Do they ask for one fourteenth just kind of out of the blue, or is that after Bilbo comes and says? No, this is before. Okay. Yeah, this is their first conversation before right. Bilbo leaves. Right. right. So uh, anyway, yeah, I think their case is pretty strong. I don't know, Stephanie. What I do you think, think a lot of it has to do. I mean, I don't think Thorin's in a great place because isn't he suffering from gold fever or whatever? I don't remember what it's called. The oh, the dragon sickness. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. dealing with that. Because I don't think it's unreasonable for the man that just killed said dragon to come and ask for some <laughs> reward or recompense or something for his village that said dragon destroyed. 
And so I always thought it was like, and I don't know, maybe this is why I have a hard time with these chapters because I feel like he's taken these great heroes that he's built up throughout the entire book okay, and he's dropping all of them. Because all of a sudden, like Bard kind of is coming across as a jerk. Thorin's now like ridiculous and and then Bilbo gets knocked out and he's just not even there anymore. And it's hard to f- get to these chapters feeling like I'm still rooting for these heroes because mm-hmm. well, nothing is happening with yeah. them anymore. I think that's kind of... And that's a lot for five chapters. Well, right. I think Bard is a special case because we only get one chapter with yeah. him. The whole point of that is here's the guy who shot down the dragon. You got that? <laughs> that's what happened to the dragon, right? With Thorin, I... I think that one has had plenty of setup, even from the beginning of the book. You know, yeah, we're going to go reclaim our ancestral homeland, but Thorne's always talking about gold. Right. There's gold in them, their hills. Right. We're going to go get it. You know, he's always talking about that. And so, and it kind of builds and builds and builds. And after they leave Lake Town, he's getting more and more, uh, you know, that, that glint in his eye. I I want that gold. And so (laughs) I feel like it's been set up enough that I'm satisfied with, where that where I'm not and how that comes at in where they come through but you just don't like it i just yeah i don't care for it okay because these are the heroes i want to root for and they have the slowly heroes be- we deserve they're slowly becoming like the people i don't i don't really care about anymore i was like yeah. by the end when thorin dies spoiler, spoiler alert <laughs> <laughs> um the i was like he kind of deserved it yeah like <laughs> sure darn sure yeah. Poor, the poor guy died. Well, yet, so, so did so Boromir, sad. and like, yet we feel, we feel something for Boromir. I felt as well. more sad that Feely and Keeley died, and I don't even know how they died because <laughs> they don't tell us that part of the story. They just told us they died, like George. You know, let's <laughs> not get into that. Okay, so duly noted. Let's move on to chapter sixteen, <laughs> "A Thief in the Night," because this is where I like this, some of the stuff that I really enjoy comes into play. Um, this is. When I think of the Hobbit, I have I've said before I, and deception. I've had, <laughs> I have like three to five scenes that I just right that are iconic to me. Mm-hmm. Obviously Gollum, obviously Smaug, uh, but one of them is um, Bilbo stealing the Arkenstone and going and giving it away to the Elven King right. and Gandalf and all of that. I love this. Um, and on this read through, I you know I knew we would need to talk about it, and so I kind of thought about it a little bit more. And uh, I was curious about what you guys think of Bilbo's plan, okay? So he has been keeping the Arkenstone secret. Uh, it's driving Thorin absolutely crazy. And then he decides, when, uh, with these armies camped outside the gates, he climbs down the battlements on a rope, he sneaks through into their camp using the ring, and then he pops out into the open, he's like, take me to your leader. And he mm-hmm. and go and he unveils the Arkenstone, and he says, look, uh, this this thing is kind of messing with my friend. Why don't you guys take it? You'll know what to do with it. And they're like, great, thanks, awesome. Hang out for a while. And he says, and then no, I I told Bomber I was gonna wake him up, so I'm I'm gonna head back now. And that's it. That's his whole plan. Yeah, <laughs> it's to give away the Arkenstone. I obviously it turns out well because you know Tolkien wrote it to turn out well. Uh, but <laughs> but it, not it, a great plan. It's not a great plan, right? Yeah, no, and and yet. I still love it, partly just because it kind of shows that even if Bilbo isn't um, isn't as cunning as some characters, you know, he's not planning the way that Gandalf might plan. He still has uh, enough <laughs> guile um, and enough goodness in his heart. A lovable innocence. Yeah, to, to think up something like this and say, you know, obviously this thing is not good for my friend, but I'll bet that uh, our other friends can use it as leverage to figure out how to get us out of this situation. And so he just, he's like, I don't, I don't know how they're going to do it, but here, you take it, you figure it out. <laughs> they immediately kinda... beeline it back up the hill. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, I kind of like it. What do, what do you guys think of the Bilbo plan? It's fine. <laughs> it's like, again, it's not it's not a super great plan in, in my mind, but uh, it works out. I think I'm, I'm more upset with, Gandalf than I am with Bilbo in this whole scenario because yeah. Gandalf like lets everybody else do the talking and kind of like comes in last minute and is like oh yeah there's some armies on their way um, <laughs> and like he kind of has to talk Thorin down once we get a little bit further on from throwing Bilbo off the mountain 
<laughs> I do love that. And like, I don't know. I just, it just seems like Bilbo, I can give him a pass because he's kind of has that lovable innocence. But I'm also like, you've had this thing in your pocket for a while and you've no, you don't maybe know exactly what it is, but you've figured out that this is the thing that Thorin wants so bad. Yeah. I probably would have just given it to him, but I don't know. He's lucky that it turned out the way that it did because it could have easily gone and it was going to go really, really wrong until the goblins showed up or the orcs showed up and everybody had to fight each other. Because <laughs> otherwise it was going to be men and elves versus right. dwarves and the dwarves were going to get wrecked. Yeah. Well, and I think it was going to end up that way no matter what happened with the Arkenstone. Like he just, instead of having Thorin have it, he gave it to the men and there was still going to be an epic battle. Mm-hmm. It just so happens that the goblins show up and gave everyone a common enemy now to fight. Instead, right. they were still going to battle. Right. Because, I mean, yeah, they walked right back up and said, oh, look, we have what you want. And that just right. pisses Thorin off. And that's so. where I'm like, Gandalf, where are you at, bro? Like, why didn't you <laughs> tell everybody that this was going to happen? Because he just, oh, yeah, it's happening sooner than I thought it would. Whoops. <laughs> like, anyways. Yeah, no, it's uh, interesting. Like, if, if Bilbo hadn't done that, the result would have been exactly the same. Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, I don't feel like it would have changed anything. So well, we've got an Indiana Jones situation well, here. Well, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Have you ever heard that? No. Rewatch the uh, Raiders of the Raiders Lost, Lost Ark. Take Indiana Jones out of the story, and absolutely nothing changes. <laughs> Everything stays except the same. for a few people don't die. So uh, yeah. anyway, um, what was what happened? there's your there's your legendarium tangent for the day. <laughs> Sorry. So what was I going to say? Oh yeah, no, I, I feel like that's probably not quite the case, just because. Um, it it does drive Thorin a little bit crazy, right? And if he hadn't had that to spur him on, things might have been uh, more of a stalemate for longer. So, mm-hmm. well, do you think he would have given up any more of his treasure if he had the Arkenstone? No, 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 no. That's not. Uh, yeah, I mean, they tried something. It didn't work, right? <laughs> so, anyway. But... Uh, okay. So, what else do I want to point out? I do want to point out in chapter sixteen. Do you guys? Do you guys? Are you paying attention to the writing at all? Are you enjoying the writing? Because at this point, the epicness of the story is at its absolute peak, <laughs> right? Right. This is as epic as The Hobbit gets. Is uh, the the Battle of the Five Armies and this lead up to it. And um, there's a great line. I, I want to find it here. It's uh, when when Tolkien, as the narrator, is describing the Arkenstone. So Bilbo pulls it out, hands it to the Elven Elven King. And uh, he writes, it was as if a globe had been filled with moonlight and hung before them in a net woven of the glint of frosty stars. Ooh, yeah. nice. Yeah, I didn't pull it, point out anything from that chapter, but when we get into 17, I, yeah, go ahead. I did mark something. Yeah, bring it up. That's when fine. the elves and the goblins first charge, or the elves first charge against the goblins, they see them out and whatever. I really liked how he described it, and it says... Uh, Their spears and swords shone in the gloom with a gleam of chill flame. So deadly was the wrath of the hands that held them. As soon as the host of of their enemies was dense in the valley, they they sent against it a shower of arrows, and each flickered as it fled, as if with stinging fire. Nice. So pretty cool. So you get like ice and fire in there. Right. Yeah, nice. Hi, Ken. Ken just wandered into the studio. Okay, so maybe we should go on to chapter 17. The clouds burst. This is the Battle of the Five Armies, such as it is. <laughs> as you guys have noted, it uh, doesn't occupy a huge amount of uh, word count, no. right? Uh, Stephanie, so you, this is, is this, is it fair to say that this is your least favorite part of the book? Yeah, okay. it really is. Like, I, I found this stuff with the dragon more interesting than, sure. yeah. than this part. And I'm pro. I don't know. I could be kicked out of the studio for saying this. I enjoyed the movie more than the book because it gave me more plot line to this part. I know, like Craig's about like leave. I don't want you here anymore. Oh, I'm certainly not putting a camera on you anymore. <laughs> but that—that's just how I felt. Like, we are live streaming, by the way. If you're listening to this later, we're live streaming it. So there you go. But it was just. I felt the movie just gave me so much more to to follow, to enjoy. I had more storyline. I had more 
I had more battle. Okay. Like, so, so you you want the battle. You want the sword going into the neck. You want it ripping out the guts. Yes. Cut his you head want, off. That's what I want to see. Cut his head off. Just yeah. cut his head off. I don't know. I, I'm not the <laughs> type that needs the violence and everything in, to enjoy a book. Because in my spare time, when I'm not reading something for the podcast, I'm reading um, Regency romances. So it's not like <laughs> I'm in need of of battles. <laughs> so you're all about sex and violence. Well, you want it just in different places. You I would them? say I'm I'm with Stephanie on this because you get things like we just read where you get a scene of elves charging goblins and then it just cuts off, right? So I feel like you get the build up. You get the anticipation of there's going to be this battle and you even get a sneak peek into it. And then it cuts off. And so I think that's for, at least for me, it was where it was like, oh, dang it. But like, if I don't have that buildup mm -hmm. portion and it was, you know, the men and elves went up and were, were negotiating with Thorin about the Arkenstone and, and then armies coming on, on its way. And then the narrator zooms out and says, and they all fought and whatever. And then it's like, okay, it's not quite as big of a deal. Yeah. But we got a little bit more lead into it and build up and and you're expecting that. And then again, Bilbo just gets bonked on the head and he's out and you're like, oh, well, okay. Well, Which goes back to what we were talking about last episode about, about omniscient narrators versus limited point of view. This is technically an omniscient narrator. But, but he's using that technique. We get a limited point of view from Bilbo getting knocked out. Sure. So it's a little bit jarring. I mean, maybe it wasn't back in 1940, but it is now. 1937, Kyle. <laughs> right. So here's my... I, I, I don't know that this is the case, but here's my possible defense of the way that he drew up the Battle of the Five Armies, and that is that this is a kid's book. It's a sure. kid's book. Okay? <laughs> Not only might a long drawn out battle with a lot of that violence kind of uh, spelled out for you be inappropriate for kids i mean you could write it in a way that might not be but more importantly it might be boring to kids who aren't there for all these sword strokes and whatnot you know depending on the kid obviously um you probably have some bloodthirsty little little guys wanting to get into that <laughs> stuff but but if it's if this is supposed to be for kids it could just be that he found that as he was telling this story, as he was writing this story, and, uh, you know, he, he did tell this to his kids and got book reports from, you know, like Rainer Unwin and the like, that those portions of the book where there were battles, they might have just been like, yeah, I, don't, I don't care about that. Where's Bilbo? What, you know, what's going on with Bilbo? And he's not really a part of the battle because he's just a little hobbit. And so he's like, yes, there is this thing, and Bilbo was part of the lead up to it, um, and he's going to be part of what comes afterwards, but he isn't a part of the battle, and this is his story, and so I'm just going to kind of gloss over it. Sure. So That makes sense. Yeah, it doesn't mean you have to like it, I suppose, but <laughs> yeah, Stephanie's looking at me like, I, like, I don't have to like, like who it. Who gives a crap? <laughs> yeah. Sing more songs. <laughs> yeah, let, let's just do that. Why don't you just find an epic poem and put it to music and then sing me about the battle? I will definitely rather listen to that. So can you name for me... Uh, the five armies. Name those armies. There's the dwarves, the men, the elves, the eagles, and the goblins. Incorrect. Who's so? This is uh, it's uh, just swap out the eagles for the wolves or the wolves. Where in the world are what? Yeah, yeah. An army of goblins and an army of wolves. So uh, I thought they came riding in on them. Right. Yeah. But the, so those are two... but the eagles are not an army. Uh, They're they... more of like a squadron. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So there you go. Those are your five armies. I hate to break it to you, Stephanie. Why not the eagles? Because uh, they're not an army. What are they? A, a squadron. Rock band. <laughs> <laughs> they're the most successful rock band of all time. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, no, it's uh, just, I'm just telling you the way that Tolkien conceived of it. I suppose you can have whatever headcanon you want. That's fine. Right? So. Well, I don't even know what the Eagles did because that's when they show up, Bilbo gets knocked out. So All right. whatever the Eagles did to help out with this, I don't. You don't what? I don't know. Well, they. 
Are they just picked up people and separated them and said, <laughs> you go to your corner and you go to your corner? Uh, yeah, we don't get to see that. That is not on screen. But I will tell you this. Uh, the Eagles the Eagles are coming, right? This is a meme now that people love to kind of make fun of Tolkien for. It's a big deal that the Eagles are coming. Exactly, you yeah. You don't know why. Okay, so. Craig's like, why did I invite her? Why did we, I invite her? I don't want her here anymore. <laughs> okay, so the Eagles are coming. No, this is good. I think that you speak for a lot of people, honestly, where they, they look at the Eagles are coming, whether it's here or the Return of the King or wherever, or, you know, back at the, uh, the pine trees that they're all up in in the first half of the book, um, the eagles come and they save everybody's bacon, right? Everybody's tired of this. Get Solve your own dang messes, right? Well, that's not the story that Tolkien was telling. And uh, Tolkien later wrote in a letter to his son that when he, after he had had some distance, some time away from The Hobbit, it had been a little while since it was published, and he came back and read it again because I think he was getting ready to revise it for another edition, um, he wrote to his son that this portion with the eagles coming was one of his favorite things about the book. Um, he called it uh, the greatest eucatastrophic moment in the book. So eucatastrophe, if you recall from our oops from our previous discussions of Tolkien, this is a word that he coined. So a catastrophe is a sudden turning to bad. Um, you know, everything goes wrong. It's a catastrophe. We're we're familiar with this word. So a eucatastrophe would be the opposite of that where everything is going wrong, all hope is lost, and then something happens to turn that. And he loved those moments in books, and he was always trying to create those by whatever means necessary. And so he wanted everything to be as bad as possible, you know, for a kid's book, <laughs> uh, as bad as possible, and then something happens to, uh, to change, to shift the tides, right? And the eagles in Tolkien's books, in his stories, they are quite literally messengers from God. And so this is in his telling, this is God divine reaching down. Exactly. Divine mm. intervention. God reaches down and says, okay, yeah, you're getting your butts handed to you. You're going to need some help. Uh, we can't have this. And so here's, you know, here's some eagles to, to help you out. Hotel California plays in the background. No, it the eagle swoops in <laughs> and we're off. It's fine. So anyway, so that's why the eagles come, you know, for, in, in a meta way. Uh, you know, you can come up with whatever in-world explanation you want. I don't care, but there you go. How Are you satisfied, Stephanie? I guess. I guess. I was going to interrupt when you first started that whole explanation <laughs> and say the eagles are Jesus as a joke. But basically, but that's basically what you just said. that yeah. is correct. Yeah. So here we go. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to go more. Nope. Um, <laughs> okay. Nope. Is there more? So... No. I hope uh, the Eagles save me from this episode. Wow. <laughs> you guys are the worst. Okay, so uh, here is something for you, Stephanie. Okay. You said that you prefer the Battle of the Five Armies in the movie. Mm -hmm. Now, that does make me want to eat a, a working chainsaw. Uh, <laughs> but there is one thing that I do appreciate uh, that the movies do that not everybody appreciates. A lot of times when people talk about the Hobbit movies and they start complaining, ah, oh, they're the worst. Um, first of all, you know, I'm happy to lend a friendly ear to all of those. But yeah, one of the things that they talk about is all the extra stuff they added in. Why, why don't you just stick with the story, right? Um, but if you pay attention to the Hobbit, the book. It's in there. Yeah, a lot of that stuff is in there. And, it's, and I'm not even talking about the appendices to the Lord of the Rings and the Silmarillion and all that stuff. Yeah, mm -hmm. they do dip into a lot of that. But there is stuff that is in the Hobbit that they just kind of fleshed out a little bit. One of the things that I really liked is having a little bit of backstory for when the goblins show up. So otherwise, it would just be like, oh, the, the, the goblins are here because why again? I had that thought as I was listening to it going, did they really just follow them all the way to who knows where? <laughs> just for like, I don't know. Like I would have given up at some point going, well, you killed our king. We're just going to go back to our right. our hole. And we're going to rebuild with a new king. Like so, some, this is but. so so. Uh, they're just about. They, they've loosed a few arrows. Things are about to get real nasty between the dwarves and the elves and men. Uh, so these two sides are about to start duking it out. And then a, a dark cloud comes. And what is going on? And you find out. Oh my gosh! It's a bunch of crows. Maybe I can't, I can't remember exactly what it was. Bats, crows, mm -hmm. something. 
um, and they are flying with the orc army or the goblin army. Gandalf stands up and he tells everybody, just stop it. We've got bigger problems. The goblins are coming. And he explains in his yelling little speech in one paragraph that, um, that Balg is here. His name is Balg and he is the son of Azog. Azog the goblin was slain by Dane in a previous war. And you can kind of get this in the appendices <laughs> to the Lord of the Rings. Um, Azog the Goblin was slain by Dane, who is now king of, uh, of the dwarves of the Iron Hills. Mm -hmm. That's who they've sent off for help from, right? So yes. Isn't Iron Azog Hills, the white one in the movies? In the Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. He's the white one. I don't know why he has survived, but whatever. Um, and so in the book, Azog's dead, but his son is here for vengeance. He's coming for these dwarves, right? And so that's... So I, I like having that little backstory. And in the book, it's a really quick little paragraph. And I like that the movie takes a little time to flesh that out and give some motivation to these mm -hmm. goblins who are here right. on the battlefield. Otherwise, it would be a little odd that they well, just kind of showed up. Well, they're not goblins in the movie, though. That goblins are orcs. Same thing. It's, that is an interchangeable but not word. in the movie. Like, they've kind of created two separate... You have your goblins that they fought in the movie, but as a... The, the orcs or whatever are uh, a different yeah, whatever. in I, the movie. I don't remember that. Well, yeah. let me let me explain the movie to you. Now. <laughs> I saw, you know, similar to The Last Jedi, I've tried to make myself watch the Battle of the Five Armies again. Mm -hmm. Can't do it. In a in a similar vein to what you were just talking about with the whole orc thing, uh, it's why I don't mind the necromancers portions of the movies. Oh, yeah? Because Cause it gives you a little more? It, it gives you, yeah, it gives me a little bit more, and it's it's mentioned in the book, right? Yeah. So, mm -hmm. uh, just that Bilbo overhe overhears Gandalf talking to Elrond that he went off to the Council of Great Wizards or uh, the Council of the White Wizards, and that they had driven the Necromancer out of Mirkwood. And so I like, yeah, seeing a little bit more than that. I mean, yeah, we can argue about the movies and how yeah, that's, how that's deep not they went, yeah. but I yeah. do like that it fleshes it out a little bit more. Okay. That it's not just plucked from. The appendices are nowhere. It's actually in the book. So yeah. All right. Well, very good. I'm a little bit less forgiving of the necromancer stuff, um, just because it it doesn't figure into the book and it doesn't affect the action of of the book very much, except right. except that Gandalf was gone for a while. Explaining where Gandalf went. Yeah, and yeah. that's about it. So, mm -hmm. uh, but I totally take your meaning. Right. So I I can I can hang with you there. Um, fun fact time. You guys ready for a fun fact? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So Bilbo in this says that, uh, you know, things are going kind of bad and he utters the line, you know, I've always heard that defeat can be glorious. And Tom Shippey, whose name we hold in reverence, obviously on this podcast, I've said it 1800 times uh, on every Tolkien episode. Um, Tom Shippey has a little uh, tidbit. He thinks it may be a reference to the school song at King Edward's School, Birmingham. This is where Tolkien was in school when he was kind of a, a young man, a teenager. Um, and part of that school song reads as follows. Oftentimes defeat is splendid. Victory may still be shame. Luck is good. The prize is pleasant, but the glory's in the game. Anyway, so he <laughs> thinks that he may have uh, cribbed that first line and put it in his book. Um, nice. de defeat. Well, what is it? Defeat may be glorious. Anyway. I like that. I, I, just, I love little tidbits like that. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, old, old Tommy boy. That's great. Uh, I hope he never hears me say, <laughs> say that. Uh, okay, cool. So the battle goes for a bit. Bilbo gets conked on the head. And now we are uh, in the next chapter. So chapter 18, take it away. What happens in this one, Kyle? Uh, sorry, let me pull up my notes because it was all a blur. Chapter 18. Uh, Bilbo gets knocked in the head. He's still feeling the effects. And is this where he actually talks to Thorin? Um, yeah. And I, he's miraculously found because right. he's invisible. Right. Right. Well, no, he takes off his ring. But he he was invisible, which oh, is why yeah, he wasn't yeah. found in the first right, place. Right, right, right. Unconscious. Yeah. He kind of makes a noise and the guy's like, who's right. there? Yeah. And then Thorn is buried under the mountain and he gets his sword back and with the Arkenstone. Yep. Um, and yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it's just kind of your, Thorin's death scene. your send off. Uh, he realizes in his, on his deathbed that, you know, 
friendship and relationships were more valuable than all the gold uh, in the mountain. The most quoted line from The Hobbit. Did you guys mark it? No. Do you remember it? No. It's no. all over Instagram constantly. Um, at least my Instagram. <laughs> Apparently mine's different than yours. Uh, I don't know who you follow. But uh, yeah, the, probably the most uh, the most quoted line from The Hobbit is delivered by Thorin as he's dying. Uh, he says, if more of us valued food and cheer and song above hoarded gold, it would be a merrier world. And that's nice. Yeah. I don't know that there's much else to say other than, oh, that's nice. It fits really well on an Instagram post. Because Craig doesn't agree with it. No, I think I agree with <laughs> okay. it. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. I, it's one of those like... It, it's no i'd rather have the gold thing well <laughs> it's just so simple you know like if, but but sometimes the simplest things are the truest things so yep and it, it's i think it's fine yeah it's nice it's a nice kind of a, like tipping of the hat to bilbo's character throughout the story every time they get into a miserable situation all he wants is a dry handkerchief and his you know chair by the fire back in his hobbit hole or whatever it is and so if he if we all valued the simple things like that is what thorns pointing out so i like it yeah yeah. Uh, well we also get in this chapter a bit of an explanation of what actually happened in that battle (laughs) so uh so you must be enjoying that part of it right so we didn't get the battle but you at least get a little more we got including we got the 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 trailer version of the battle (laughs) exactly (laughs) so bayorn has shown up right he was there at the battle Mm -hmm. and there's a great description of uh bayorn kind of going well going berserk Yep. And uh, there's another note in the annotated Hobbit that I thought was too interesting to not bring up. And that is that, uh, so berserkers were a real thing in uh, old Norse mm-hmm. uh, communities, whatever, in these armies, they had berserkers. And they were these people that would go into a bloodlust, a frenzy in battle, and they were supposedly terrifying, right? Uh, so berserker actually means, in old Norse, means bear-shirted. B-E-A-R. And the, yeah, not, uh, whatever. So (laughs) bear-shirted. And it might imply that those old Norse berserkers actually wore bear skins and maybe the heads, bear heads, into battle to freak people out. Uh, I I like that image. So you've got Bayorn, who's already a bear bear. man. And he's, the description of how he fights is very much like a berserker who was another kind of bear man. In Old Norse, I love those connections. <laughs> I don't care what you guys think. You're about to fall asleep, both of you. And I no, I'm, I like, I'm reading about Bayorn. He he goes back and he becomes a chief of men and fathers a line of shapeshifters. Um, oh, that's right, and uh, and that's another part of like kind of English folklore is the idea of these shapeshifters. You know, and that can take nefarious turns when Mm -hmm. you have things like werewolves right but uh tolkien liked the idea of um of these kind of magic creatures elves and whatnot Mm -hmm. not being quite what we expected and so if you think of shapeshifters as descendants of bayorn then suddenly the stories aren't quite so scary anymore Mm -hmm. right so yeah i like that stuff uh all right so we also should okay we've got a few more minutes i think uh yeah we've probably got five or ten more minutes where we could keep talking about stuff I did want to bring up, if I could, the um, the farewell between Bilbo and Balin. So he and Balin are talking, and this is a great example of um, of Tolkien's mastery of prose and his ability to switch modes. Mm-hmm. And so he has um, uh, he he's contrasting the high mode that the story has turned to. So like we said, that you know, this whole battle of the five, ar- five armies, this isn't just the climax of the book. It's also its most epic portion, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where we're at in the story. And Balin kind of exemplifies that. And he says, uh, you know, they're, they're saying farewell. Uh, and Balin says, goodbye and good luck wherever you fare. If ever you visit us again, when our halls are made fair once more, then the feast shall indeed be splendid. And... Bilbo responds to that in his Hobbit mode, and it's a great turn to kind of get us in a headspace where we're going to be heading out of the heroic bit of the story, the epic bit of the story. So Bilbo responds and says, if ever you are passing my way, don't wait to knock. Tea is at four, but any of you are welcome at any time. (laughs) 
It's nice. He yeah. he's got a great way of uh, of contrasting those two modes. Anyway, yeah. so with that being said, we'll move on to the final chapter in the book, which is uh, chapter nineteen, the last stage, and this is a little bit. It's reminiscent of what happens at the end of uh, the Lord of the Rings, but it's not the same. In, mm-hmm. in the end of the Lord of the Rings, we also go back to the Shire, uh, and we find that that things aren't the way we left them. And that happens here as well. Uh, but the whole idea of that was, well, I guess, and this is similar as well. The idea in the Lord of the Rings is Frodo is not the same. He can't go back. In Bilbo's case, he can go back, but he's also not the same. And Gandalf remarks on that on their way back. And he mm-hmm. says, you are not the same hobbit that right. I left with, right? Right. Um, did you Do you find his transformation satisfying in a way that the battle wasn't, Stephanie? <laughs> Or do you find that you don't really care too much? No, I think he has a a good story arc and where he ends up. I think it's a... I can't think of the word I want. But um, <laughs> I like the fact that he comes home and his things are being sold. Everyone thinks he's dead. And they go off as he's trying to collect his things again and ends up having to purchase his own items and whatnot that... He finally comes back and goes, I the one thing that he really lost with all of this was his reputation. That people aren't looking to him anymore as this studious kind of exemplar yeah, citizen yeah, yeah. of the Shire because he's been on an adventure. Right. And I think that he owns it and he enjoys it and he's okay with it. And that's, I think, the best change in him is being satisfied with who he's become and being proud of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. Well yeah. said. Thank you. Kyle, what about you? I really like the conversation between Bilbo and Gandalf when Bilbo remarks that like, oh, the prof- the songs and the prophecies of old are true or they're they're somewhat true and Gandalf's like, "Well, yeah, of course they are. And why would you why would you disbelieve them just because you had a hand in carrying them out?" Right? Or I'm paraphrasing mm-hmm. obviously, yeah. but like, why wouldn't you believe in them just because you effectively made them happen? And I thought it was really, I really like that idea of, yeah, you you are part of a bigger world. You know, I think he says something about Bilbo being just a really small part of a much wider, you know, greater world. And, and Bilbo says something about, you know, thank goodness or whatever. But um, I just like the idea that the whole idea from start to finish is that something so small can have such a big impact and that you can you can have that impact on something that you you believe in so he was just just the idea that he was talking about prophecies and and it was him you know part of those prophecies were talking about him yeah so yeah i, think no, goes, I like the, there there's a a kind of uh, a dual nature that we all have where we we want to think that our life is bigger and more meaningful uh, than just fill in the blank I don't want to be just some guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I want, I want my name to be known. I don't want to be just a housewife. I don't want to be just a writer, mm-hmm. you know, like you, Kyle, or I don't want to be just a whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I'm worth more than that. But at the same time, when somebody says, yeah, you, you, you are, look at all these amazing things you've done with your life that are worth noting, then we kind of retreat <laughs> and say, well, well, no, I'm just, I'm just some guy. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I'm just a housewife. I'm just a whatever, you know, I'm just a mm-hmm. fill in the blank. And, uh, and and so I think that there's something really nice here in the idea that Gandalf is saying, yeah, what happened was big. This was a big deal. We fulfilled prophecies in this mm-hmm. case. We we did something that people are going to be talking about for a while. And you were a major part of that. And it's okay to own that. Yeah. I really like that idea. I do too. Yeah. And I think coming from as a children's book, that it's a good lesson for children to learn that he is the the smallest of the the beings that live in Middle Earth. Yeah. And he still makes such a big impact. And I think so often children feel like in this world of adults that they can get lost and mm-hmm. not matter. And I think for a child reading this book and knowing that someone who is little, that people look over, that don't they don't always see, because they even talk about that with the hobbits is they're there. They're not invisible, but people often pass over them and they're not noticed. 
I think it's a good lesson for children to learn that they can still make a big impact. They can still have grand adventures and become out come out of them a better person. And sorry, I my train just like that's stopped. <laughs> it <has> left the, <laughs> anyway, that left that's the, the point I was making. Uh, okay, so I want to bring up uh, another nice little uh, Tom Shippey note that I picked up from reading The Road to Middle Earth. Again, if you want more info on all this secondary stuff, go read Tom Shippey. Just do it. Uh, but he brings up something that is a, a linguistic joke that Tolkien kind of puts in there that works really well. So the word auction is used here to describe what's happening because that is what's happening, right? Mm-hmm. They're they're auctioning mm-hmm. off his stuff. But did you know that uh, in it, it, there's a dialect up in the north of England, I think it's in South Yorkshire, where uh, the word auction is still, I, I don't know if they're still using it, but they definitely were in Tolkien's time, to mean a mess. Mm. And so he comes back and finds everything is a mess. A mess. Yeah. And Tolkien just thought it would be kind of funny to use that word auction. Oh, you know what? I could have people auctioning <laughs> off his stuff. That'd be hilarious. And so, yeah, you can you can talk. He, uh, talk, or Shippy's got a great little tidbit of actual speech from there. And somebody's making fun of some housewife. And they say, oh, she's not but a slut. Um, her, her, her house is a fear auction. Her house is a fear auction. I can't do the accent, obviously, but a fear auction <laughs> means that it's it's like a right mess, right? And uh, so I just love that little joke. It's a, an auction, which is a mess. And I'm going to turn that into <laughs> an actual an auction. auction. There you go. Get rid of the spoons. So um, last bit of trivia on this chapter. Uh, it's said that Bilbo remained very happy to the end of his days, right? Literally almost he lived happily ever mm. after. And Tolkien became very stressed about this line later on. Very stressed indeed. Any guesses as to why? Because he wasn't happy to the end of his days. He decided that he his feet got itchy and he wanted to go back out on an adventure. Well, right. But he was pretty happy in that adventure. It was because he, when he started writing The Lord of the Rings, he thought Bilbo was going to be the hero of it. Mm. And he's like, oh, crap. I wrote he was happy. You know, he lived happily ever after at the end of that book. And now I can't send him to Mount Doom. <laughs> that ain't that happy. Insert uh, Frodo. Insert Frodo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there you go. There's your last bit of uh, oh, trivia. Yeah. So my Tolkien, or sorry, my Hobbit trivia <laughs> has come to an end. I hope that you guys are awake and yeah. satisfied. So, Or at I least am. one of those things. <laughs> I am one of those things. There you go. All right. So <laughs> a- any parting thoughts on the end of the book? Um, or do you want to just tell me what you think of the book as a whole? Stephanie, maybe you should go first because you were least satisfied by these chapters. What about the book as a whole? Um, and, and how does it compare to your other experiences with The Hobbit, whether it's movies or Legos or whatever? Um, I really enjoyed the book. Um, I read the book, I read The Hobbit for the first time after the Lord of the Rings movies had come out. Um, I was not raised re- reading these. I was not aware of them really. So I was an adult as I read The Hobbit for the first time. And like I said, I I think this is my third time going through. It's a book I don't mind coming back to. It's a book I would like to eventually get um, read to my son, read with my son. And I think it has a good longstanding lesson for everyone to learn. It's a book worth reading. It's not It's not one that I'd be like, oh, well, I read it. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. I have read some of those books that I'm like, well, I at least I at least read it. So if I'm if it's a book I'm willing to come back to, it's it's a good book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I have to admit, I'm a huge fan of the Lego movie, like the Lego games. The Hobbit is a well played Lego game. If anyone <laughs> wants to go, yeah. it does follow the movies. The Legos always follow the movies. So, but mm. forget the movies and just go play the Lego games. <laughs> Duly noted. <laughs> there Kyle. you go. I love it. Uh, I read it with my dad when I was. I mean, he read it to me probably when I was five or six. I've read it dozens of times. Uh, I've recently just finished reading it with my daughter, who is also six. She calls it the Hubbit. We've talked about that before. Yep. I had to sneak it out of her room to be able to even bring it today. <laughs> um, in fact, she said, Dad, why are you taking my book? And I said, can I just borrow it? And she's like, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, these final chapters aren't my favorite chapters, uh, but that doesn't mean that they're they're bad necessarily. I just really enjoy 
some other stuff in the some book. Of the other the iconic scenes in the book, and and I love every time I read it, I feel that same sense of wonder and and feeling like a child again. And it was really especially uh, a delight to read it again with my daughter and see her experience it for the first time and yeah. ask all the same questions that we've all asked and and really want to know why is why is Gollins as she says <laughs> why is he so creepy and why does Bill you know all these questions and um it will be one of my favorite books of all time forever yeah. I, I mean you can argue are other books better written are they more my style sure but this will forever be one of my favorites. Yeah, it's foundational in mm -hmm. a way that few books will ever right. achieve. Both for you personally, it sounds like, and for the genre as a whole. Mm -hmm. it, everything depends so much on The Hobbit, uh, including The Lord of the Rings. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I, I, well said. Uh, I like that, Kyle. Thanks. Um, my, I, I love this story more than a lot of things in my life <laughs> let's be honest uh i remember and I've, I've told this before but i read it in the eighth grade and while i didn't go out and search immediately search like who is this guy and what other books has he read uh, because i didn't realize when i was 12 that that's a thing that you go do I, just somebody hands you a book and you read the book uh and so that's what i did but the images and the scenes stayed with me so well that mm -hmm. uh, you know most books haven't achieved that i i've talked about other things that i read when i was a kid things like shannara uh and you know the sort of shannara i've probably read that six times and i still struggle to remember most of what happens in that book mm -hmm. the hobbit it took one time and it was already burned into my memory because right. it was so so well drawn mm -hmm. uh and kyle how old's your daughter six six mm -hmm. yeah uh, that's something that I think about sometimes where this was written for six-year-olds back in the 30s, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And nowadays, kids' books, they, they just look and feel a lot different. Mm -hmm. And that's not a bad thing. No. But I wonder when I read kids' books with my kids, I wonder sometimes, like, do you think my kid is an idiot? Mm -hmm. You know, with today's kids' books, right. some of them place more trust in children <laughs> than others, right? So I, I feel like sometimes they treat kids like idiots. One of the things I love about this book is that it does not treat a kid like an idiot. Mm -hmm. um, they can handle difficult and dark things right. and, um, and see, and they can understand character progression to a certain point. Mm -hmm. they, they can understand why Gollum is creepy. They can understand, or Gollins. Gollins, yeah. <laughs> they can Gollins. understand why Smaug is menacing and all mm -hmm. that stuff. And I think Tolkien, to his credit, gave kids a lot of credit. They, and they have that, that same innocence that Bilbo has, I think. And when they sense something like Bilbo's going into the dark cave, you know, my daughter would be like, oh, Dad, why is he doing that? He should not be doing that, you know? And and it's just like that. <laughs> Does in, she also talk to horror movie kids? Like, don't go in that basement. That, yeah. is, that is stupid. You basically, are foolish. Basically. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can see... You can see the intent that that Tolkien had. You know, don't don't go into the dark wood and don't get off the path. And as soon as the dwarves get off the path, my six year old says, "Why did they get off the path?" <laughs> he Gandalf told them. told them not to. And so it's a, you know it's you can see it at work, and and that was all intentional. Yeah, so. I love that stuff. Okay, so should we call it there? Yeah, feeling good. Feeling mm -hmm. Okay, good. so we're gonna call our Hobbit episodes there. Um, thank you everybody for listening to all of these we appreciate you being here if you enjoyed our discussions of The Hobbit please share them around uh, let other people know uh, that we have done these and we're going to continue talking about Tolkien I mean this wouldn't be the legendary if we stopped <laughs> talking about Tolkien uh, we are planning Ryan and I are planning to do a Lord of the Rings reread in 2020 and mm -hmm. I'm very much looking forward to that so if you're interested in, in that make sure that you're subscribed and stick around for that so what we're doing with that one is not the same thing that we did before oh darn we did 17 episodes in our round one of the lord of the rings <laughs> this time we're planning to do six lord of the rings episodes one for every book because seven seven one for every star of the tree of the tree of gondor yeah, yeah that would make sense 
You'll have to do a wrap-up episode. I'm yeah, sure. I'm sure. Okay, six or seven episodes on Lord, <laughs> Lord of the Rings. So we hope that you'll be there for that. Uh, thanks again for listening. If you uh, would like to support us, you can do so at patreon.com slash legendarium and join the conversation at thelegendarium.reddit.com and we will see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>